Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. It's our hope that this message will help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Tonight, we're uh, going to talk about dating. Now, I was reading in Genesis a little while ago, Genesis 24. And wouldn't it be great if life were this easy? Abraham tells his servant Eliezer, hey, listen, I want a wife for my son. I don't want you to get any of the women from around here. I want you to go back to my hometown, and I want you to to go. And he goes, the Lord, the Lord is going to give you strength. In fact, the angel of the Lord will go before you to make the right choice. Wouldn't that be great? If like an angel of the Lord pointed somebody out, this is the one, marry her. So Eliezer goes, and he, he utters this great little prayer. He goes, Lord, let it happen that when a beautiful girl comes out, and I say to her, as she lowers her pitcher down into the um, uh, well, and I say, hey, would you lower your pitcher so that I can have a drink, that she would then say to me, not only will I give you a drink, I'll give your camels a drink. And then I'll know that you sent me. So he's out there, and this beautiful, beautiful girl named Rebecca comes out to the well. So he goes, thanks, I'm going to try this out. Here goes. Hey, uh, would you lower your pitcher down? I'd like a little water. She says, sure. She gives him a drink of water. That's it. Then a second or two later, she goes, you know what? Would you like me to provide water for your camels as well? And then he just, the Bible says he stopped and he just wondered, like, is this the Lord? Now, dating isn't that easy. It'd be great if it were. And um, to talk to us about the principles to find and to apply to our lives for a godly relationship and how to build that on is Nathan Heitzig. Nathan, come on out. Awesome. Great. Great to be here with you guys tonight. Really quick, raise your hand if you're single tonight, okay? All right. Raise your hand if you're currently dating somebody right now. You're not married, but you're dating. Okay. Now raise your hand if you're married and your kids are getting ready to start dating. All right. Well, this is going to reach a lot of people tonight then on this interesting subject of dating. If you want to pre-mark your Bibles to Song of Solomon, chapter one, we're going to be in verses nine through chapter two, verse four. Song of Solomon's in between Ecclesiastes and Isaiah. And this is the book that when I was a little kid, we always used to go and read because we'd find funny words in there. We'd snicker to one another as we read Song of Solomon. But tonight, we're going to be teaching on dating. Let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word that is so powerful, so sharp, so cutting. And Lord, it doesn't just hit on these theological subjects of salvation and regeneration, all the things that we think of so often, but it hits on the personals, Lord, on marriage, on dating, on relationships. So today, tonight, I ask that you will speak to us, God, and change our relationships. Let us leave this place with a better understanding of you and a better understanding of your will for our dating relationships. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, you know, one thing that I found so interesting and so crucial 
to every person, it doesn't matter your age, and it doesn't matter what era you have come from, is the idea of male and female relationships. And call them whatever you want. You know, it's become really popular to start calling it courting again. That I'm not dating, I'm courting. And dating's almost become a dirty word to some people. It doesn't matter if you call it dating or courting or if you go back to the 50s and say we're going steady. It doesn't matter what you call it. It's this idea of relationships. And, you know, I want to say it doesn't matter so much as what you call it. It matters the way you conduct it. And that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. The term isn't important. Call it dating, call it courting, call it whatever you want to. I don't care. What's important is the way that you're conducting the relationship. Because as a matter of fact, it's possible to court the wrong way as well. So what matters is the principles behind it. And tonight we're going to address this topic of dating. And we're going to see very simply the ABCs of dating. And just like when you're a little kid and you start learning the ABCs, at first it seems very complicated. If anyone has kids and they're trying to learn the ABCs, it's mind-boggling. All these letters and how they come together to form words and it's just beyond our understanding. But to us, we look at it and say, it's just the ABCs. It's so simple if you just know how it works. So tonight we're going to realize that dating really isn't that difficult. Although sometimes it can seem so mind-boggling, we can feel like two-year-olds trying to learn the alphabet. It's really as simple as ABCs. And when I was preparing myself for this, I asked myself, why do so many people date wrong? And maybe right now you can think of someone or maybe yourself that's had a bad dating relationship. And maybe you've had multiple bad dating relationships and you're at the point where you just say, I give up. I'm done. I'm sick of trying this whole process. And I realized the reason so many people date wrong is because they have bad examples. See, today we get a lot of what we think of dating from the media, from movies, from TV shows, from songs. And I was just looking at a list of all the TV shows about dating the other day. And you have The Bachelor and you have The Bachelorette and you have Joe Millionaire about some guy who's really not a millionaire, but he lies to everybody so that he'll get girls to come date him. And then you have shows on MTV called Tila Tequila and A Shot at Love where guys and girls are vying to date a girl. So the world's view of dating is so skewed. And I came up with a little list of the things that Hollywood says about dating under my observations. One, dating is not exclusive. It's okay to date and hook up with as many people as you want, whenever you want, and you shouldn't feel bad about it. No wonder so many marriages end in adultery. We're taught that, hey, It doesn't matter in the dating relationship. Why should it matter in the marriage relationship? Two, dating is simply a game to get what you want. Three, if you're lucky, you might date and marry someone rich and then your life's set. Four, it's okay to be in love with more than one person. And lastly, a private chef, a hot tub, and lots of wine is all you need to make a good date. Well, that's what Hollywood and that's what the media tells us about dating. As you can see, it's skewed. It's off. And what they try to do is they try to please instantly rather than ultimately. We have this sort of a fast food relationship motto in dating. Get what I want when I want it. I want it my way. Otherwise, it's the highway. And that's the, the idea that we have behind these relationships. So our question tonight is what does the Bible say about dating? 
What does the Bible say about relationships? And this is something that you're all going to deal with. If you haven't already, if you're not married, if you're not dating, you will at some point in your life get involved in a relationship. Hopefully. I'm not going to say that resounding. Maybe you're just a really tough person to get along with, but God still has someone for you. You know, we like to have a list of reasons why we're never going to date. I just, no one will love me for this, that. Okay, it's a list of excuses. Someday, you're going to feel those butterflies in the stomach. You're going to feel that inclination and go up to that person and try to start a conversation with them. And just about every person in this room will wind up seeking marriage eventually. And you say, well, not me. No, not until I'm this age, until I have this job and I have a house and I have this plan for my life. Not until then will I get married. Well, you will. Eventually you'll find someone and someday you're going to fall in love. And tonight we're going to look at one of the most beautiful love stories in the entire world. And no, it's not the Princess Bride. It's not John and Yoko. It's not even Brad and Angelina. Tonight we're going to see the love story of Solomon and a Shulamite woman. But here's the thing before we start. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we try to read it through this little American lens. Almost as if Jesus wore a red, white, and blue robe and sang the national anthem when he preached the Sermon on the Mount. But that's not the way it is. When we look at this topic, and any topic for that matter, we have to read it through the light of biblical culture. Because you know, some people like to get dogmatic and say, this is what the Bible says about dating. Well, you know what the Bible says about dating? Most relationships were arranged marriages in the Old and New Testament. It was arranged marriages. And when I was young, this thought frightened me more than anything else in the entire world. You know, whenever mom and dad would say, hey, you know, this girl, have you thought about this girl? And she's really nice. It was always like, no, stay, stay out of this. Get away. I don't want your involvement with this. But you know, now that I'm married, now that kids are on the horizon, it's actually becoming not such a bad idea. You know, someday when I have kids, which is this is going to be a very viable option for me. You know, find a nice family. Hey, Nick, you know, you've got a son, pretty good looking. Uh, I've got a daughter, you know, maybe a little exchange of money, a goat here and there. And there you go. Selective breeding. But I pray, I pray that God prepares me to have a girl someday, because let me say something really quick. If any person, any of you in here were my daughters, you would never date anyone ever, 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 ever. I'd be that dad that sits in the chair and when the boyfriend walks in, I'm holding my Louisville slugger, kind of polishing it off with a, with a little rag. And then finally when my daughter leaves the room, I say, you break my trust or my daughter's heart and I'll break your hips. That would be the, that would be the father that I would be. But seriously, the thing is here is since the Bible doesn't really say much about dating and nowhere does it say thou shalt date this way, we have to look at principles within the Bible. And this is why there's so many Christian books on the subject. And I just like to start off and say there's a lot of really great books. And if you pick any up in the in the bookstore, I'm sure you'll be really blessed by them because they can go a lot more in depth than we'll be able to go tonight. But when it comes down to it, we should always look back at this book. Because although it might not have a chapter on guidelines today and last names of people to look for and qualities and characteristics and so on and so forth, It gives us great life application principles that when applied to dating can change the way that you pursue relationships. And you know, sometimes I would say that you should just ask yourself this question. And not just in dating, but in life. What do I want? What does God want? And are they the same? 
What do I want in a relationship? What does God want in my relationships? And are they the same? Are they the same? And that's the clincher. Because a lot of times what we want isn't the same as what God wants, is it? A lot of times what we desire and what we're striving for and the person we're looking for is so different than the person that God has preordained and set up for us to marry. You know, the Bible says that God will give us the desires of our heart. And I've heard my dad and so many preachers say it before, and I concur that God isn't going to give you what you desire, what you want, but he's going to place within you the desires of your heart. So I think we need to constantly align ourselves more to what God wants in our relationships. And I guarantee that if you take these principles we'll see tonight and you apply them to your life and you apply them to your relationships, then it will help you consistently. Not just now, but when you have kids, when your kids have kids, and you can help them with these issues as well. And whether tonight you have kids, you're married, you're dating, you're single, this can apply to you. You know, a sad thing that I see today whether you're a high school student, a college student, or you're grown up, people have a tendency to lower their standards. We have a tendency to drop our standards, especially in dating. And it starts out up here. And we have all these hopes and all these dreams for the perfect person that will come along. And then for whatever reason, it drops a little bit. And then when you see that guy or girl that isn't necessarily walking with the Lord, it drops a little bit lower. And then when they ask you to do something that you're uncomfortable with, and you compromise sexually, it drops a little bit lower. And then what happens is over a period of time, you wind up all the way down here looking up saying, how did I get myself in this situation? And it wasn't instant. It didn't just happen all of a sudden one day. It was a gradual movement that you slip into. And that's not the way it should be, is it? That's not the way dating should be. A constant series of drop standards. We shouldn't be settling for the worst that God has for us. We shouldn't be driving the Pinto when God has the Ferrari parked in front of the house. And and I mean a Ferrari on the inside, not on the outside. Because I know a lot of guys are saying, well, Nate, you should see the girl I got. She's a Ferrari, man. She is good looking. No, a Ferrari on the inside. The question isn't, does it look nice, but does it run? Does it run? And sadly, some people, because of society and a lack of discernment, are left dating someone who's a Ferrari on the outside and a Pinto on the inside. (laughs) But this is the way that human nature is, isn't it? And I get people that come up to me and they say, hey, will you do a message on how far is too far? How, How far I can go before I'm going too far? And what they're asking is you're asking for me to draw a line that you can walk up to and peer over the edge. The answer is no. Rather than asking, how far can I go before I'm sinning? Because chances are, whatever that marker is in your mind, it's probably sin. Rather than saying that, ask yourself, how holy is too holy? How pure is too pure? Because as children of God, we shouldn't be seeking the lowest. We should be seeking the highest. We shouldn't be driving the Pinto. We should be driving the Ferrari. That God has set up for us. And a huge problem with dating today is that we view these little dating relationships like mini marriages. Like little, little mini marriages. And what happens, you become so invested, so tied to this person because of sexual intimacy that you create a mini marriage. And then because of a lack of true commitment and true love, that mini marriage ends up breaking and causing a huge divorce. 
And it destroys emotions. It destroys people. And what we're doing is we're teaching ourselves that it's okay to give something meant only for marriage and then leave when we get bored. It's a medium-minded relationship. We need to have God-minded relationships. So what I'm going to give you tonight is three principles based on the Song of Solomon for dating and for relationships and then several warnings. The ABCs. Let's take a look at A. Adore God. Now, I'm not going to take you to the text right away because although Song of Solomon and our text tonight doesn't mention God once, which is interesting, it doesn't once in the entire book mention God, there's a few things we can infer. One, Solomon was a king living in a theocratic kingdom. A kingdom where God had said in Genesis 2, it is not good that man should be alone. Solomon, at this point in his life, was a God-fearing king looking for a God-fearing queen. And finally, during this period, Solomon adored God. He adored God and he was searching for a woman who adored God. 2 Corinthians 6.14, if you want to jot it down, says... Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Do not be yoked together. Do not be tied together. And this should be your first question asked, period. This is the foundation for all relationships that should be asked and answered before you even consider dating somebody. Before you even take that second glance and say, man, that guy or girl is really good looking. I'd really like to date that person. Before you even consider it, dating or courting or whatever, This should be the question you ask. Do they adore God? Do they adore God? And are they converted? And this is the first question that we ask couples when they come in for premarital counseling here at Calvary. We say, are you both believers in our Lord Jesus Christ? Because it's the clincher. Because if they're not, then how can two walk together if they are not of the same mind? The marriage immediately is starting off 500 miles back from where it needs to be. And they might say, yes, we accepted Jesus at this time and at this place. We say, great, praise the Lord, because that's the first step. Then the second question is, what do you believe about Jesus? Because that at the same time is a a clincher. Because a lot of people say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the majority of Americans believe themselves to be Christians. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I read that 76.5% of Americans, when asked, called themselves Christians. And the Bible says that we're not to be Christians as a title, but we're to be born again. We're to be converted. You know, the Bible says we can tell if we're converted, converted. We can tell if we're born again, if we're changed by whether or not we're bearing forth fruit. A good tree bears forth good fruit, and a bad tree bears forth bad fruit. But not just are they converted, are they real? Are they real? Now, unfortunately, guys, I'm sorry, this applies mostly to you. And the question is, are they really stoked on God? Or is that just a mask that they're saying to be accepted by you, the females? You know, unfortunately, I've known a lot of guys that put on the Christian face, speak those Christian words just to get some deluded form of a Christian fling. And they come to church like hyenas, scouting for that pretty Christian girl that can make their life the perfect way. Oh, oh, heat-seeking missile, they're on it. You know, that's not the way God intended the relationships to be. 
The question is, are they converted? Are they real? Do they adore God and do they respect you? Because before they can adore you, they have to adore God. Before you can adore them, you have to adore God. That has to come first. Do they respect the boundaries you've put in place? Do they respect the convictions that you have? In other words, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Do they love God with their lips and their lives? Do they love him with their lips and their lives? And I'd be willing to bet that probably more than half of that 76.5% that call themselves Christians don't adore God. Yeah, they go to church. They might have even said a prayer and walked up before a group of people. But they've never been converted. They have no change in their lives. And the way we can tell if someone is converted is if they don't love the things of darkness, but they love the things of light. No, they aren't perfect. No, they don't read you the Bible every morning and give you a sermon every morning. No, they're not perfect, but they're trying. They're constantly striving to improve their relationship with God. They want to grow. They want to change. They don't just adore God with their lips. They adore him with their life. So the question isn't, are they Christian? The question is, are they converted? Are they different from the other people? Are they seeking to grow in their relationship with Christ? When you look at their life, is there evidence of their belief in Jesus? And there's nothing wrong with being attracted to somebody. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you have to go find the most holy person you can think of that you're not attracted to. No, there's nothing wrong with being attracted. That's what gets the relationship started. That's the butterflies. Oh, he's so cute. You know, that's what gets it going. However, it's wrong to base your decision off of that infatuation. When guys see a beautiful girl, they say, I think I'm in love. No, that's not love. That's just infatuation. It can lead to love if it's nurtured, if it's cultivated, but that's not love. One study shows that between ninth grade and your second year in college, the average person will have five real loves. Real. What they think is real. And this is a normal part of life. But what separates the feeling from true love is that true love stands the test of time. Let me rephrase that. True love stands the test of patience. Patience. Being patient for what God has for you. Being patient for the love to grow. And the best definition of love I've ever heard. Love is a constant devotion, not a passing emotion. Love is a constant devotion, not a passing emotion. A devotion because God has put it in your heart. Not because of butterflies that you get. So when I hear people tell me, we have to get married right now. We just can't wait. I question whether or not it's really from God. Because love is patient. Love is patient. And I encourage you, take time in the dating relationships. Let God bring the two of you together. Let God mold you together into the perfect image that he wants you to be. Don't be hasty. Don't date because you really, really want to get married right away. 
Date because God puts that person on your heart. Take time finding the significant other because there's a chance that you'll spend the rest of your life with that person. As a matter of fact, I would say we shouldn't even date someone unless they're marriage material. We shouldn't even date them because what's the point? If you know you're not going to get married to them, then what are you doing? You're just wasting your time. The scripture says not to marry an unbeliever. Well, guess what? Dating leads to marriage. Dating leads to marriage. And you might say, well, I don't want to marry them. I don't, I don't want to go that far with them. I just want to date them and hang out with them. Well, if you've already dropped your standard to date them, then what's to stop you from dropping your standard to marry them? If your standard's up here and you drop it here, what's going to stop you from dropping it here? And then a little bit lower as time goes on. Wait for the perfect person. And I would say to date without the possibility of marriage in mind is setting yourself up to fall into sexual sin. To date without the possibility and with marriage in the future, you're setting yourself up for sin. And I would say that you shouldn't date at all until marriage is something that's in sight because what's the point? And I encourage you that if you don't listen to another thing that's said tonight, that you leave with this. Whoever the person is that you're dating, that you're courting, make sure they're a Christian. And if they're not, run. Run now. Run now because you're just setting yourself up for heartache. Let's look at the B. Be respectful. Adore God. Be respectful. Look at Song of Solomon chapter 1 verse 9. I have compared you, my love, to my filly among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with chains of gold. Now the next question is, do they respect you? Do they treat you well? And do they respect the Bible's and yours boundaries? And here in the Song of Solomon, we see that he calls her a filly. Okay, modern terms, you're a horse, my love. Now we read that and we say, okay, Solomon, not too romantic. You know, maybe like a lily, that's prettier. But a horse, what's going on? And we read that and we think, how is that respectful? But basically Solomon's saying, you're the most important thing in the entire world to me. More than my possessions, more than my most prized possession, my filly among, among Pharaoh's chariots. You're the best. You're my most prized possession. You're worth pursuing. You're worth protecting. I love you like I love my most prized possession. Is the person you're dating, do they think you're the bomb.com? Do they think you're the best? Do they treat you like they treat their car? Do they treat you like they treat their credit card? Are you their most prized possession? And gentlemen, we need to step up to the plate with this and be the leaders that God has called us to be. We need to treat the ladies in our lives like they are the most prized possession in our lives. Not like they're just something else that we've occurred, something else that we have. And we shouldn't keep girls in the wing as a backup plan and keep scouting out to make sure there's nothing better coming along. We should treat the girls that God's put in our lives like the most prized possession in the entire world. 
And girls, until that guy comes along, until that guy comes along that treats you with that respect, that treats you with that love, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time because once again, you're just setting yourself up for heartache. And in verse 1, if you want to read it with me, Song of Solomon, verse 1, just the very beginning, read it. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's, which is Solomon's. He's the initiator. He's the one who started it off. He's the one who wrote it. He is the initiator. It's his song. And until that girl comes along or that guy comes along that you really respect, that you really appreciate, that you really value, unless you come to that place, then don't you dare date that person. Because honestly, they deserve better. Until you come to that place where you have that mindset. And when you're ready to pursue her, when you're ready to pursue him, make sure that they know how much you value and respect them. Make sure they know that. Before you start dating, before you get really involved, make sure they know how much you appreciate them and how much you respect them. Guys, make her feel cherished. Make her feel special. Ask yourself, does she feel as cherished and as loved as my most valued car, hobby, fill in the blank, whatever it is, does she feel that loved? And one of the best ways that you can show respect, and I know this is kind of directed only towards a certain crowd and a certain age, but it's asking what her parents think about it. Asking what your parents think about it. What do your parents think of the relationship? Do your parents approve of this guy or this girl? And if you're a guy in here tonight and you're dating a girl and her parents don't know about it, you're a jerk. I just want to say that. You're a jerk. And you should be ashamed of yourself. And you say, well, they won't like me. Then you need to change. You need to be somebody that they will like. You need to be somebody that they will respect. The kind of guy that they'll feel comfortable having their little girl go out on a date with. Guys, these girls don't deserve jerks. They are made in the image of God And they need someone who will respect them and care for them. So if you begin the dating process being sneaky and being disrespectful, then you don't deserve to be in the relationship. God gives us parents and he tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And sometimes people can be blind. Sometimes we don't see all the points and sides of who we are. We think we know ourselves really well, but in truth, we don't have a clue. And the plan of God is to give us parents, to give us people in our lives. Maybe this doesn't apply to you because you're at an age where asking your parents would seem kind of silly. Well, God has placed before you godly counsel, friends, ministry leaders, pastors that love God. That when you ask them these questions, they might see something that you don't see right off the bat. They might know something that you don't know and they might recognize something as dangerous. And some of it might be unreasonable. I don't like his hair. That color is just so weird. That tattoo he has, I just don't like that. Some of it might seem unreasonable and some of it might be unreasonable. But we're called to respect them. We're called to honor them. Sit down and talk to them. Ask them about this person. It might blow them away. 
It might throw them back. What? You want me to meet your girlfriend or your boyfriend? You want to know what I think about them? It might blow them away. But most importantly, they might be able to give you some insight. They might be able to give you some advice and they might be able to keep you accountable. When I first started having feelings for Janae, before we ever started dating, the first thing I did when we started being interested in each other was I called her dad. And I called her dad on the phone. I, he, he lived in California. And I said, Mr. Chapin, this is Nate Heitzig, and I just wanted to call you and let you know that your daughter and I have been spending a lot of time together and we're starting to have feelings for one another and I want to ask for your permission and your blessing to date your daughter with the intention of marriage. And then he hung up. No, I'm serious. Well, he didn't hang up. The phone got cut off. He was on his way to Mammoth. And I thought, oh man, I blew it. What did I say? And then he called back about a minute later laughing while I'm freaking out and told me that he'd be honored for me to date his daughter. Now, now that was the last thing I ever wanted to do was call up Mr. Chapin and talk to him about dating his daughter. But when I took that step, he gained so much respect for me because I was honest and I was seeking to honor his daughter. And guys, this task falls on you. It's your job to show respect and honor those girls' parents. You need to be the man in the relationship. And girls, if he doesn't have the guts to do that, then ditch him. He isn't a man anyways. If he doesn't have the guts to be a man and step up and do that, then you can go find a real man. So when a guy comes and asks you, hey, you know, I'd really like to date you, say, yeah, sure. Just give my dad a call and ask him for permission. Let that be the test. Let that be the litmus test. Now, maybe your parents aren't Christians. Maybe they don't live near you or maybe you're at an age where that's just weird. Well, then bring them, as I said before, to Calvary. Ask people here what they think. Ask people here about this person. And even now, if any of you girls are in a relationship that you don't want to be in and the guy is just kind of a dirtbag and you don't want to be around him, Bring him here and introduce him to like Nelson and Greg. Hey, what do you think about this guy? You know, we'll sit there. We'll take a look. No, it's not going to work out. Sorry. It's not going to work out. I'll even hold the baseball bat if you really want me to. But this little act of respect will mean so much to that family and to your relationship. Now, parents, parents, you need to be the kind of parents, the kind of people that your kids feel comfortable bringing their boyfriend and girlfriend around. The kind of parents that dating doesn't start this way. So I hear you're uh, dating somebody. No, no, don't let dating become a dirty word within your home. Talk to them about it. Ask questions to them. Talk about the issues. Because what will happen if you don't, if you let it become the dirty word, they're still going to get in relationships, but it'll be behind your back. And then you'll lose the God-given opportunity that you all have to be an influence and a godly influence in that aspect of their lives. So be the kind of person that they can talk to. So we've seen adore God, be respectful, and third and finally, cultivate relationship. Cultivate relationship. Look at Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse 4. 
he brought me to the banqueting table and his banner over me was love. You know, we love this verse. He brought me to the banqueting table and his banner over me was love. And this is one of the most important parts of the relationship. This is what you do once you've caught the fish. You know, so many people are in this pursuing idea and they're looking for these mates and they're looking for these loves that once they finally find it, they don't know what to do with it. They're like, I got her. She actually likes me. What do I do? Where do I go from here? And this point carries on not only in the dating relationship, but also into your marriage as well. And it can be one of the main reasons why many marriages fall apart. See, girls and guys alike need to feel pursued. They need to feel desired. They need to feel loved, even after they've been won over. And this requires cultivation. It requires cultivation. It takes time for a relationship to grow. And three different times here, we read in this dating period, we see them spending time together. In verse 12, in verse 16 through 17, and in chapter 2, verse 4. Let's read them. Verse 12 of chapter 1. While the king is at his table, my spikenard sends forth its fragrance. Verse 16. Behold, you are handsome, my beloved, yes, pleasant. Also, our bed is green. The beams of our house are cedar and our rafters are fir. And then verse 4. He brought me to the banqueting house. So we see three different times here. They're spending time together. They're out on a date. And we see here that for a relationship to blossom and continue to grow, there must be quality time spent. If you really want to see your relationship grow, if you really want to see your relationship cultivated, then spend real quality time with one another. Not time in a movie theater or time kissing, but time spent with one another. Personal time getting to know one another. Look at chapter 1, verse 15. Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes. Okay, you're a horse and you have dove's eyes. Solomon's, uh, Solomon's pickup line so far. But he says this and it's really quite sweet. See, a dove has tunnel vision. A dove can only look at one thing at one time. It can't focus on a bunch of other things. It doesn't have peripheral vision. It has tunnel vision. And we see here that because of their adoration for God because of their respect for one another and because of time spent with one another, that there's a growing commitment to one another. A commitment that I'm committed to you. I love you because of your love for God, because of your respect for me and my morals and my relationship with God, because of the time you spend with me, I'm committed to you. And one thing that truly defines a Christian relationship is commitment. I'm committed to you. I'm committed to you. And this characteristic needs to be cultivated all the way up to the very day of marriage when you say before God and before men that you will forsake all others, all others, as long as you both shall live. Commitment, cultivation. And the only way that commitment can be cultivated is through quality time spent with one another. Look at chapter 1, verse 16. Behold, you are handsome, my beloved. Yes, pleasant. Behold, you are handsome. Yes, pleasant. And we see that she calls him handsome. She says that he's pleasant. 
Now, girls, you have to understand that a guy wants you to think he's cool. We might not tell you that, but everything we do, everything we say, it's so that you'll think we're cool. And he doesn't care what anyone else in the entire world thinks about him as long as you think that he's all that and a bag of chips. As long as he's got you, no one else matters. No one else matters. And it's the same with the girls. Girls. Guys. That girl needs to know that she's the most beautiful person that you have ever seen, that you've ever laid eyes on. And that's why they ask it consistently. Do I look good? Does this look pretty? Does this look nice on me? That's why they ask it every day because truthfully, they need to hear it. And we, yes, honey, of course you look good, but it's true. They need to know that they're the most beautiful girl in the entire world. They will always ask and they will always need to know. Guys, you need to make sure that she knows she is the most beautiful girl and that no one can compare to her. And in this dating relationship, there needs to be constant affirmation of one another. Constant building of one another up. Cultivation of that exclusivity to one another. Now it says that he is pleasant. This is basically saying that he's friendly. He's a nice guy. He's not mean. He's not like Eeyore sitting over here, always bitter and always depressed at everything in the world. No, he's happy. He's a friendly guy. He's charming. Guys, question. Are you friendly? Are you kind? Are you charming? Do you open the door for that girl when you go to the movies or when you go to a restaurant? Do you open the door of the car for her? Are you kind? And this is one of the most important things within the relationship. In order to cultivate relationship, you must first cultivate friendship. In order to cultivate relationship, you must first cultivate friendship. If you're not friends with them, let me tell you, you're not going to have a good relationship. If you can't stand being around them, that's a good indicator that they're not meant for you. (laughs) Friendship has to come before relationship. It's important to build a good friendship before you let it turn into a relationship. You know, I'm so thankful that Janae and I were friends for about six months before we ever started dating. Now, granted, she had a boyfriend, so I couldn't really date her anyways. (laughs) But still, I'm glad, I'm glad that we were friends because we got to know each other. We got to hang out without this cloud over us that said we were together. We just got to hang out and be friends with one another. We knew each other and we enjoyed spending time with each other before we ever sought to love one another. We enjoyed being friends. Look at chapter 1, verse 16 through 17 again. Behold, you are handsome, my beloved, yes, pleasant. Also, our bed is green and the beams of our house are cedar and our rafters of fir. Now, this is a poem, so he says it in a roundabout way, but what he's saying is they're at a picnic together. They're in the grass, and there's trees around them, and they're once again spending time with each other. And what she's describing is simply a date. They're out at a picnic, hanging out. You know, I get couples that come to me sometimes, and they say, man, the last time I was on a date was back when we were dating, or back before we were married, or before we had kids, or whatever the excuse is. I can't remember the last time we had a date. This is something that needs to carry on into marriage. That dating, that relationship, that romance. It's got to continue being kindled. And the main point here is that you need to spend time with one another, building a friendship and a romance. They have to go hand in hand. 
And it doesn't need to be a steak dinner or a really big event. We see here that it was a picnic. But because of her love for him, it was transformed to a palace. Our beams are of wood, a bed of green, because of their love for one another. It doesn't matter what you're doing so much as who you're with. You know, Janae and I have had some fun times. The honeymoon, fantastic. You know, going on trips together, incredible. But some of my fondest memories are of just on a night, hey, what do you want to do? I don't know, let's go ice skating. Let's go to Hinkle Family Fun Center and play putt-putt. You know, who knows? Let's just hang out. And those are some of my best memories. And it's also important to make sure that through all of this, to refine and cultivate not only the relationship emotionally, but also spiritually. Continue encouraging each other to grow in your walks with God, building one another in your walk with the Lord. And if you mold your relationship to these three principles, to the ABCs of dating, if you adore God, are you both seeking Christ? Be respectful. Are you both respecting one another and your parents? And cultivate relationship. Are you taking time to build and strengthen your friendship with one another and your relationship with God? If you do those three things, then just as the Jackson 5 said, ABC, easy as one, two, three. It'll be easy. It'll be effortless. You'll see your relationship grow and it won't be difficult for you. It won't be hard. You'll see God grow you to one another. And don't be scared to ask people around you what they think. Hey, what do you think about this person? What's your first instinct when you hang out with this person? And maybe this stuff sounds legalistic to you. Maybe it sounds stiff to you. It isn't. Ask someone who's made the wrong choice. Ask someone who's gone down the wrong path and chosen the wrong mate because of a lack of patience, counsel, or prayer. Ask someone who's in an unhappy relationship because they didn't choose a Christian mate. And perhaps you've seen the consequences of this in your own life or in your parents' lives. What I encourage you to do is make a checklist. Make a spiritual checklist for your relationships. And before you ever get in a relationship, bring out that checklist and say, all right, do they meet up to all these things? Not a checklist like, do they have blonde hair? Do they weigh 165 pounds? Are they toned? Not those kind of checklists. (laughs) But ask yourself first, spiritually, spiritually, do they have a strong walk with God? Are they converted? Do they promote your walk with God and support your calling? And do they respect your boundaries? Emotionally, do they have the same interests as you? Do you enjoy spending time with them? Are they mature enough to respect you and your parents? And do they meet your emotional needs and esteem you greater than themselves? And finally, physically, are you attracted to them? Yes, that is still important. And if they pass all of those things, then and only then, spend time with them in a group. Hang out with them with other people. Because remember, before you can cultivate a relationship, you have to cultivate friendship. Become friends with them. Ask yourself, are they a representation of Jesus? No, not do they have long hair, a crazy beard, and do they wear robes? Unless you're into those sort of guys. But do they act like Jesus? Are they have a spiritual quality to them? And finally, don't be too transparent or too dependent. I need, therefore I love. 
Because what will happen is I see so many girls and guys searching for love in all the wrong places. Searching for somebody just because they need to have that feeling of love. And that always leads to emotional heartache, to pain. Seek your validation in Christ. He thinks you're beautiful. He thinks you're handsome exactly the way you are. And he loves you unconditionally. And then finally, I'd say before you ever do anything together, pray. Spend time in the car before you go on a date and say, hey, let's just lift this up to the Lord. If they say, are you serious? Okay, there you go. Inclination, they're out of there. (laughs) Pray before you do anything together. And then even if nothing becomes of the relationship, even if you don't get married, at least you've had good fellowship with another believer. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word that has so much truth packed inside of it. Lord, truth that when we read, it can transform our lives, transform not only our relationship with you, but also our relationship with others. So I pray now, Lord, for anyone in this room tonight who is thinking of a relationship or who's in a relationship or desiring to be in a relationship, God, that you will change those relationships. You'll transform them and make them beautiful in your sight. That you'll bring them together focused on a love for you and a commitment to one another. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. If you would like more information about what you've heard in this message or about Calvary of Albuquerque, please visit our website at www.calvaryabq.org. If you have made a decision to follow Christ or would like someone to pray for you, please leave a message with our prayer watch line at 505-344-3658. Thank you and God bless.